Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Business of PT podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Arash Maksudi with us. He's the co-founder of The Prehab Guys, which is an online educational platform that teaches people how to take control of their own health through online physical therapy. He has extensive experience and specialized training in the fields of movement science, pain science, biomechanics, injury and surgery rehabilitation, prehabilitation, and athletic performance. Each member of the team is a TPT and CSCS. They have a large social media influence and have over 800,000 followers on Instagram and can be found at The Prehab Guys. Arash, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I appreciate appreciate that intro. And I'm excited because this is one of the few podcasts that I actually get to talk about business, which is a, a big passion of mine. Usually I come on to talk about PT, prehab, rehab related uh, topics. So this is exciting. Yeah, and I, I'm really excited to be able to have you on. We kind of talked about it just before we started how in PT school, although um, some of us are interested in that business and entrepreneur side, we both again talked about it. we only had like one semester of it taught in DPT school. So I'm hoping that we can be able to dig into that and really talk about that passion of yours. Um, but would you be able to go off and start off by introducing yourself to the audience and give a little background on yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, so background on myself, I guess I can I can start out with, where I was at in undergrad, I uh, I played college soccer. I suffered a career-ending ankle injury, uh, sprained my deltoid ligaments, and that kind of put me out for a while. I had to go through PT. My mom's actually a PT, so I ended up going to her office. And uh, at the time, I was studying engineering, and I, I wasn't really into it. And I was here reading health and fitness and wellness magazines and. Everyone else is reading engineering related content. And I figured that I needed a career change. After going through PT, I realized kind of like most people's story, uh, they, they went through PT, realized this is kind of a cool field, interesting to them, switched over to kinesiology, finished getting my degree at San Diego State in kinesiology with an emphasis in pre-PT, went to PT school at USC. That's where I met my two business partners now, uh, Michael Lau and Craig Lindell. Actually, during PT school, it was our second year of PT school that we decided to start uh, our online business, which is the Prehab Guys. And that was really created out of a what we thought was a void in quality content online. And there's a lot of voices, a lot of things being said on the internet that just weren't accurate. And as we were going through school and as we were learning more evidence-based information, we wanted to provide that information to the average person to the fitness enthusiast and making sure that they were able to get that high quality evidence-based information. Um, so then from there, uh, we've pretty much been consistent with that every day, worked at private practices around the Los Angeles area, 
And not up until a year ago did we open up our own facility, which is where I'm at right now here in Los Angeles, uh, where we have our online business, which we create content, and then our in-person uh, physical therapy business. So two complete different businesses, uh, but this is the center of operations. We've been slowly just uh, seeing more and more clients. It's been a year now. It took us almost six months to get the place set up because unfortunately when we got set up, it was mid pandemic and equipment was almost impossible to get a hold of with everyone starting up their own home gym. So it took us actually yeah, March, yeah, probably March, we were able to get everything set up. Um, so it took us a bit to get set up, but we're finally set up and everything is up and running now. That is awesome. I'm really glad that you were able to, and I kind of wanted to dive into maybe both of them now, the online business, but also the PT business, um, just in person. And I wanted to know, so you kind of introduced yourselves already, um, and then how did you guys, you guys kind of said you guys saw that void in that quality information um, in the PT realm. And then with that, did you guys think, okay, hey, we did you guys know in already that you guys wanted to create a business out of it or are you guys just wanting to create that quality content? And then from there it kind of went, like how did that all play out? Yeah, so if, if I was to tell you that I was planning on us growing to this size, uh, that would be a complete lie. We, we started out with really a, a very simple goal of just posting one, one piece a day, one content piece every single day we rotated between the three of us and we held ourselves to that standard, regardless of how busy things got in school. And you know how it's PT school, it's, it's busy, especially during test times. And, and I mean, there's some downtime that you have and we record a ton of content during some of those weekends that we had a little bit extra time, but, uh, but we, we held ourselves to that, to that standard and slowly the growth just happened on Instagram. This was before, people started posting exercise videos on Instagram. Um, this is before there was even business profiles on Instagram. Uh, and there weren't really many PTs. The only, the only two I can really think of was uh, Kelly Starrett, who kind of pioneered a lot of this stuff, and uh, Mike Reinold, who targets a little more of the, the clinician. Um, and we've kind of done a little bit of the two with, with the products that we have. Um, but. But yeah, it's, it just was a, a slow growth and not until, really not until last year did we say, hey, let's actually make this a full business and go all in with it, uh, quit our outside jobs and just kind of work for ourselves and, and manage both of these business how, businesses how we want to. There we go. And yeah, with that, I guess growing up, did you ever consider yourself an entrepreneur, have that business mindset and like one day you wanted to be like, own your own practice like once you kind of started getting to transition to pt or where did that kind of um driving yeah. factor come from yeah so to be honest i that was pretty much always my goal uh, as soon as i knew that i wanted to do pt i realized shortly after that i'd love to own my practice one day and i've had a few other opportunities actually to, to own other practices um, that were already up and running but with how things were growing online, I didn't want to completely diverge path from putting my energy and focus on the online business. And so this kind of allowed us to really take control of both businesses at the same time with both businesses being at the same location. Uh, and I, I, yeah, so to answer your question, I, I kind of always knew that that was the goal. 
I didn't know that it was going to be in this capacity. I didn't know that I wanted to be, be cash-based. I, I mean, I thought that I always wanted to, to go through the traditional uh, PT model of going in network and, and collecting insurance and going high volume. That's all I knew. I didn't know there was another way until I started seeing um, and listening to other, other cash-based practitioners that are out there and understanding that this, is, this seems more of the future of uh, where, where PT is headed if you want to preserve quality of care. Yeah, and I, that's something that I think I resonate with myself. I've kind of seen a lot of the the high volume in network, I, and that's what I was used to, and that's what I kind of was introduced to PT at, so I thought that was the normal. But I've also, as I've learned and kind of gone through PT school, there are a lot of different options. Um, and the cash base is something that I kind of wanted to dig into a little deeper with that. Like how, what are some of the biggest things that you have learned so far, um, maybe initially with the rehab guys when you guys were creating your guys' online platform but also now that you've started your in-person like treating in the clinic what are some of the big things or big takeaways that you've taken from both of those yeah great great question um wow uh from the prehab guy side let's talk let's talk about the online business uh things that i have learned there, there's a lot. I'll, I'll just start naming them and you let me know if you want to dive into certain things. Uh, one, one thing is making sure you set boundaries with an online business. There is never a beginning and end if you don't let there be a beginning and end and you can always work because there's always work to be done. It's not like treating patients or clients where you're, you're scheduled for one hour, maybe 90 minutes and, and you're in and you're out. Um, there's, especially when you're looking at analytics and data and trying to understand, um, consumer psychology, there's an infinite amount of time that you can spend and you have to protect yourself and understand what is sustainable for you. Um, a few things that, that we've valued as a company is being a team player and understanding how to, how to communicate, making sure that uh, it, when you're treating, it's very simple. It's a very clear communication between therapist and patient or client. Um, when you're, when you're building projects and coming out with programs that have a lot of different minds coming in together, um, being a team player and understanding where your role is, is something that takes time and understanding and a lot of communication with who you're working with. Um, I mean, there's a lot being, being setting aside time for making sure you're reflecting with what you're doing, because with something like an online business, you can, you can move, but you can also be moving the wrong direction potentially without setting aside time for reflecting, I, I'd suggest uh, that being a, a way of making sure the ship is moving the right direction. And you can hire and hire and hire and make sure the ship is moving quick. But if it's not moving the right direction, that's not doing you any good with, with uh, a sort of business like that. And I, I kind of wanted to dig deeper on those. I, I think the one, the very first one you talked about how, like, especially on the online one, there's no beginning and end. Uh, even just like, by nowhere, like, am I anywhere near to where you guys are at? But just, like, I was motivated to try to grow my podcast. And, like, obviously, I wanted to do it because I wanted to learn for myself these these aspects of business and entrepreneurship that I feel like we didn't get. But I also had, like, classmates and other people and other programs that wanted those things as well. So I wanted to help kind of provide that knowledge to others. And I've definitely seen that. I feel like there's a checklist of things that I want to get done. But I definitely don't have enough time in the day to do those things. And I wanted to know, how have you gone about kind of setting those boundaries for yourself and also kind of that second part you said about the team like the team aspect I feel is such a key 
And from what I understand, you're kind of more on the business side as well as the social media platforms and in charge of that. What are some of like defining those roles and what are like your roles specifically? How have that how has that helped you in kind of creating that that work life balance in a sense? Yeah, so uh, a lot of good a lot of good questions there. Um, I'd say to, to the first question of how how I set it up, uh, I, similar to yourself, I, I have a to do list. And I, I break it up with the absolute must do's for the day. And I put that up top, make sure I get those done at all costs. Even if that means that I stay a little bit over, uh, that's, that's, those have to be done. But I try to keep that list very, very lean to where I can't leave the office unless those things are done. And oftentimes that list is short, but the other list of other things that I want to do for that day is extremely long. And I try to tap into that list and get as much of that as, as get as much of that accomplished as possible by end of day. But the reality is uh, I set a boundary where I turn off, I, I turn off all notifications on my phone by 8.30 PM. I'd recommend probably doing it a little bit earlier than that. But for me, uh, I, I like to work a little bit later. So I, I go until 8.30 and at that point, all notifications are off on my phone. Could I override it if I really want to? Um, yes, absolutely. I try not to and I try to respect it. Just part of respecting yourself and it's part of, it's part of um, making sure what you're doing is actually sustainable especially when you're talking about your career. If you're talking about PT school, it's a bit different because it's a short-term goal. Like if you're studying for a test and you have a bunch of exams the next week, by no means would I suggest, hey, because you said stop studying at 7 p.m., you're going to stop studying. You kind of have to do what, what you need to do regardless of, of, uh, of your boundaries to some, to some extent. Again, like there's, there's, there's just different boundaries when you're talking about a sprint versus when you're talking about a sustainable way of, of running your career. And then um, on your second point of your roles in the company. Um, so yeah, I do more of marketing and finance. Craig will do a bit more of the actual content um, from all different platforms. And then uh, Mike will handle a lot of the tech and the product that, that we have on our app. So we've kind of divide and conquer. And then we have a great team. I mean, we've, we've got plenty of team members that help with each one of those divisions and allow for things to move a lot quicker without relying on us to, to have to be so heavily involved in the day to day. Because what we've learned is if we are waiting for every decision to be made based on us, uh, it slows things down and we don't want to move. So that's the whole point of being a small company is that we're agile and we can move quick because we don't have a big team. You look at one of these corporations that have hundreds of thousands of employees, then yeah, you got to go up to the higher ups, to the higher ups, to the higher ups to finally get approval by the time that comes down to make the, to get the approval, to make the decision. I mean, it's, it's a lot of time wasted, but with being a small company where we really leverage that fact because, um, because we we're based off innovation. What we're trying to do is make an experience, that a lot of people think they can't get at home uh, available and accessible for them at the convenience of their own home. So in order to do that, we constantly have to stay on top of, on top of innovation and making sure that uh, whatever changes are made in terms of technology, app development, or whatever it may be, um, we're, we're on top of it and we're leveraging it if we think we need to. Um, and then in terms of your, your point with being a team player, it's, it's a lot of uh, clarification with, with a mix of meetings via Zoom, we use Google Hangouts, um, using a lot of Slack. Slack is our preferred way of communicating. 
and then figuring out how to integrate emails within it. We use emails a lot for for actionable related tasks and Slack a bit more for communication, especially when we're talking about teams and, um, and making it where we can hopefully have enough time for the day to schedule random one-off meetings because we've, we've left some time for that. If I'm booked the entire day and we're, we're working on a project, that's me doing a disservice to the team because I have no extra time to actually help. So I try to keep and make sure that each one of us keep a little bit of open time each day for meetings if needed uh, to, to make sure the needle is moving and not waiting for us to, um, to make decisions and, and slow the process down. Really, the goal is to continue to move quick. Gotcha. And then with that, thank you for explaining all those things. You also talked about that reflection time and making sure that you're knowing that you're headed in the right direction because you guys have that agility and that flexibility in being a smaller company. Do you guys kind of reflect individually and also as a team or how do you guys, do you guys have a structure to that or how does that exactly work? Both, both. I mean, it depends on who, who you're talking to specifically in the company, but uh, I mean, we each do it individually. We do it on a monthly basis as well uh, as, it, as, as us three and then uh, on a quarterly basis as a team to make sure because it's hard to get other teams involved with with a reflection when they're not involved with what you're doing so as a company we we do it as a quarter making sure we're we're reflecting on each specific division even if you're not included with that division because there are enough changes if you do it too often there's not enough changes to really discuss about if things are moving in the right direction because they're really not moving from meeting to meeting but it depends and it, it's like Ray, Dal Ray Dahlia will, will talk about these these principles and it's all dependent on what works for you and your company and every every business and every company is so different that it's um, especially when we're talking about the online business and I know we haven't even got to the in-person part yet uh, but it's it's very it's very different and the needs are very different even within our company based on division with how frequently we need, we need to meet some are a little more streamlined which means that we don't need to have as many meetings because there's not that much that's changing versus when there's different strategies, like when I'm talking about different campaigns that we're going to be pushing for, for this quarter, next quarter, even early 2022. Um, those are new things that require a lot of meetings because uh, as we're building out that what we're planning on the campaign being, we call it the ideation phase. Um, there is a lot of discussion that needs to be had with different team members so that we're all on the same page because it does involve pretty much everyone on the team. Yeah, and, and that's something that I wanted to know, too. Like you, you kind of said earlier in the podcast how you guys go always create daily posts to be able to create that quality content and have that accountability. I'm sure that must have been hard like to always have that. Like it's, to be consistent is always a hard thing. But I wanted to know what are some of the things that you guys learned in – obviously, you guys make quality content. That's something that I feel like you guys are, have definitely done a great job of. How have you guys been able to make that consistency in, in quality content and growing that audience? What are some of the things that you guys have learned? Like, did you guys have a lot of prior experience in that realm of social media and, and doing that? Or was that kind of learning it as you go kind of a thing? 100% learning it as you go. Uh, we had no experience with social media aside from the, the basic personal posting on Instagram. This is, this is before carousels were a thing this is even when uh, i remember many of our first posts were limited to 15 seconds because instagram only allowed 15 second videos 
Um, now you can post IGTVs, you can post 10 carousels, each with a minute long videos, which is essentially a full on YouTube video at that point. Um, but so we had no experience. And if you look back, I don't recommend looking back at our content is it was pretty bad. Like we, we had, we had our phones, um, we had no mics. Um, we had, this is probably back with iPhone four or five. Um, it wasn't great content and we've slowly progressed and what's helped us, I think is honestly just finding the right team members. We have a videographer now that helps us um, and, and having the right team members allows you to focus on um, things that only you can focus on. Like I wouldn't imagine the videographer who's, who's amazing at videography to help with the business admin stuff. That's, you know, that's what I do. Um, and so that allows me to make sure that that stuff is being taken care of and the videography is being done by someone that would be better than I would be at with videography. So it's a matter of finding the right people and trusting the team members to, to, uh, to take responsibility and ownership of what they're meant to. And, you know, at first, um, not everyone just comes out of the gates with full autonomy. I mean, there is micromanagement that happens with anyone that comes on initially. That's just part of having a new person come on. And then eventually as they prove themselves and as they take ownership, then, then they can start taking, uh, taking over that, that division. But at the same time, not everyone wants to do that. Some people feel more comfortable with being told what to do. Um, some people want to be a leader and, you know, it's just a matter of finding what role and what position that person plays in. And it's kind of like a puzzle and it's a puzzle that's never ending because there's always new people coming in, new people leaving or people leaving. And so it's, it's always a, a puzzle to make sure that everyone is, is best fit to make sure the company as a whole is able to move to the next level. Perfect. And thank you for, for sharing that. And then I kind of wanted to know, so you guys, and I guess I haven't gone far enough back to be able to see those. I've kind of seen, I want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to know, like with that, how did you guys go about, like, did you learn any strategies or how did you guys go about creating that audience? Obviously, like it, it's something that I feel like your audience is, is you have a, a good amount of people. Did you guys go about any certain ways of creating that audience or building up that audience? Um, you know, we, we didn't know who the audience was at first and we didn't really have a, we didn't understand marketing. We didn't understand uh, targeting. We, we just created content and then slowly people came on. There were a large group of uh, clinicians that uh, enjoyed the content because honestly, there's just a lack of education in PT curriculum. Uh, and it's still the case, which is very surprising. Um, so the clinicians liked it for that reason. The fitness enthusiasts and athletes liked it because they can learn more about their body. And now we have a little more of an understanding of who we want to target, which is a bit more of the fitness enthusiasts. We, we love the clinicians follow our stuff and we have an exercise library they can use with all of our exercises to send out to their patients and clients. But that is secondary to us, uh, compared to addressing the actual, the actual problem that we see and what we're trying to fix is having the average fitness enthusiast understand how to do exercises a little smarter and take control of their own health. Perfect. Yeah. And that, I like that, I think is something that is important that I've kind of just been learning a little bit. At first, I was just kind of 
once I had like an audience in mind that helped me a little bit gain a little bit more perspective on where to go, and I, now I kind of want to transition. And we talked a lot about the like the the online platform, and I want to talk more about now your guys's practice that you guys have created, um, the in person. When so you guys kind of decided you guys wanted to do that. Did you guys ever have a goal of all of you guys together doing it? And why did you decide? You guys kind of said the quality of care for cash based. Um, but could you go a little bit deeper into that and some of the big learning blocks that you've had encountered early on? Yeah, to your, to your previous point, I just wanted to, to mention, we even have avatars. We, we label avatars appropriately just to make sure we know who the target audience is. Like, this is, this is, this is X, this age, this occupation. This is what they do for their activities. Uh, it helps us with really understanding who we're talking to and we can speak their language and making sure that uh, the education doesn't go over their head, whether we don't over explain or under explain. Like some people want to know a little bit more, some people don't. And it's just a matter of understanding who that person is. Um, and yeah, so to, to answer your PT related question. So we started um, earlier this year, uh, technically with the physical therapy business. This is 2021, January, we actually started accepting patients here. and. You know, uh, we don't, we didn't, we already saw a decent amount of cash based people on the side beforehand. Um, so it was a fairly easy transition for us. We just moved the cash based patients that we were seeing, which is the clients that we were seeing and had them come over to the in-person facility, which was, uh, which is very central. It's in Culver city here, in uh, LA. So people can kind of come from all over, whether they're on the east side or west side, north side, south side, it's pretty, it's pretty central. The, the decision was fairly easy for us to stay out of network. The in-network model just seemed like it is reimbursing worse and worse. The amount of time that we would have to spend with each person would be less and less. Uh, we would have to get aids. We didn't want that. And to be honest, it's not like, yeah, it's not like we want to, to see 40 to 60 hours of patients a week. That's not our goal with this, with this facility. It doesn't actually even accommodate for that. It's, it's very, it's, I don't want to say VIP, but it's, it's, uh, it's more boutique in that sense where oh, we only have a couple people in at a time at most. It's not that big of a facility where we want to have multiple patients come in at the same time. Um, and even if we did have that large of a space, I still wouldn't want us to, to be in network and see that high volume. The goal for us is not to jeopardize quality of care and cost. And that comes true with the online or the in-person business. And so um, we've just slowly been growing that business over time. And we don't push it that much to our online platform either because our online platform has people from all across the world that, that are on there. And this is what I suggest to people all the time is if your goal is to grow your in-person physical therapy clinic, then creating content online and trying to target people all across the world online may not be your best approach, especially when you're talking about blogs or, or whatever it may be. If your goal is to keep a network of individuals that have gone through sessions and create a community based on those individuals, a social platform, 
or a Facebook group or an email newsletter is a way to keep in touch and to have that touch point, I think is important. Um, but if you're just starting out and you're trying to grow your following simply for the reason of getting a, a larger amount of patients and clients in the door, I'd say there's much more effective ways of spending your time and energy uh, to, to, to get those people in the door in the first place. That's a, that is a great point right there to be able to highlight that those things can be separate and still be successful with both of them. So thank you for doing, for kind of explaining, going into that deeper. Um, have there, has there been any major, obviously like with COVID and everything, you have those challenges as well, but have there been any other kind of unforeseen or growing opportunities that you guys have had early on in kind of creating the cash brace practice? Mm, so I would say actually COVID helped us because we didn't have a facility um, and the pandemic is unfortunate is is everything it was at that time and even still currently is it's crazy that we're, we're still we're still going through this almost um, 18 months after but um, it was a moment in which no one was looking to lease commercial properties and we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, leverage that just a little bit uh, and found ourselves a, a spot here, uh, which was a big decision for us because we could, we could have been comfortable working where we were and had a much less, uh, much more simple lifestyle. But, you know, we wanted to take that risk and we trusted what we were going to do. And we, we knew that our care would be great. And worst case, even if we didn't see that many people at first, we still had our other business to fall back on. Um, and it was a tough time because I wasn't seeing many people anyways, even at the, the other clinic that I was working at. So, so we ended up making that transition and uh, the pandemic actually helped us um, a bit in terms of finding space, a space because there, there were so many that were opened and a lot of them were, were even under market value just because they've been on the market for so long. Uh, yeah, any other obstacles? I mean, dealing with insurance is always an obstacle even when we, we go out of network. So that that's always an obstacle in itself, but um, kind of figuring it out as we go. Awesome, man. I, I love that, that you're able to kind of, in that moment of like of uncertainty, everything with COVID, you guys are able to uh, put, I take that chance on your guys' selves and, and you've been able to grow from that and progress from that. And I love that, that aspect of it. And I kind of wanted to ask you, what do you guys see with the future of PT and what are some of your future entrepreneurial goals that you guys have? Yeah, future of PT. That's good. Uh, I would say, I mean, I think, I think the future of PT is bright, first of all. I think in terms of being at the forefront of musculoskeletal health, we are becoming more and more of that figure not to compare us to other competitors, but PT as a whole is becoming more credible. Uh, becoming, there's, I don't know how many states don't have direct access, but most states I believe do have direct access now. We are, we are getting to the point where when someone has an injury, they know 
they have to go to PT regardless of, of what it may be. And I'm hoping that it becomes to the point where the same way that individuals have their dentists they go to on a biannual basis, people have physical therapists that they go to periodically, whether it's for prevention or for for rehab, I mean, most likely people are going to react with that individual on a reactive basis. It's hard to convince someone to go to PT with, without any problems, why, why would you? But once you've gone through that reactive phase of rehab with your PT, you have that connection built. And that connection can only be built if you have adequate time and you trust your PT. And it's tough in, in uh, the in-network model of only seeing the clinician for maybe 20 minutes uh, at that point you're just getting the information that you need for the aid to continue with that patient for the rest of the day so i'd say yeah i'd say uh i'm trying, I'm trying to think of where where i want to go with this but i, I think that it's it's bright and we are moving the right direction uh, unfortunately the insurance companies are just limiting us which which is tough and I hope that we can show enough value over time to where patients don't mind paying out of network or cash-based fees. And maybe insurance providers just have better out of network benefits and allow for that out of network uh, game to continue to increase and increase. But right now that's just not the norm. And I'm really hoping that we become, we become a little more than just reactive based and people come to us as a maintenance thing, just to understand, hey, I'm doing these exercises, what do you think? And I don't think that we we can predict injury that all that well, but we do know that having a consistent routine is extremely helpful. And, uh, and just doing some type of exercise audit, the same way that people have financial managers, they go to their financial manager to make sure that they're as financially wealthy as possible. They go to their physical therapist to make sure, hey, uh, I have I've dealt with these injuries. I want to make sure I'm as physically wealthy as possible. I'm continuing to put in more and more into my body so that eventually I can put out more and more into my workouts or whatever it may be. So I'm hoping that we continue to move a little more in that direction. And honestly, it becomes on us. Like it's the way that we approach the discharge. If we want to approach the discharge and say, I hope I don't see you ever again. And maybe I'll see you if you get another injury versus hey, I, I'd like to see you again in six months just to make sure everything is going well and we're, we're continuing to move the right, right direction and you don't have any hiccups and your programming is, is going well on the prehab rehab standpoint. Um, I, think that, I think that we can make a difference uh, as long as, yeah, as long as we can spend the amount of time to, to create trust with the patients, which right now is what I feel like is the barrier to, to creating that. Yeah, I love that analogy that you just shared right there about uh, of that wealth management, but also like that that physical health management as well. I n- I had never heard that before, and I really like that, and I, and I agree. Yeah. I think that we definitely have a, a good trajectory, uh, and we're becoming more and more of a credible resource um, in the health and wellness stage and, and just in the medical field in general. And I really like that. Um, and just before we wrap up, I just kind of wanted to ask you, what are some things? Um, that you had wished you had done sooner, maybe in the realm of that business entrepreneurship side, what are some things that you, once you did it, you're like, man, that was such a great thing. I'd wish I had done that sooner. Everything. Uh, (laughs) 
everything. I wish I started everything earlier. It's uh, it's interesting though because we are we are where we are at at a pretty good time. I had I had a professor that actually started a a online business educating the public probably 10 years before us and he was actually a little too early because it wasn't it wasn't trusted at that point to purchase a digital product it was it was kind of not not i don't want to say a scam but it wasn't it wasn't common practice nowadays everyone is purchasing webinar do you do con ed courses online it's it's the standard it's actually much more easy i pr i prefer it actually for a lot of things than to go in for for an in-person session especially in la with how bad the traffic is so the the more i can do online the better and people are willing to pay for for online products and programs and education etc uh, because it, it's become the standard so uh if we were to start a little bit earlier i would i would even be happier with with that um, we had we had a lot of first to market advantage on instagram largely uh yeah there's other platforms that we worked on too but they didn't really grow as much as instagram just because if anything instagram was was the area that that we were creating content for and then we repurposed it onto different platforms um but i would i wouldn't have been upset if we started a couple years earlier that that would have only helped us out Perfect. Yeah, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I think you said that time frame was such a great time to be able to hop on. Not too early, but definitely right catching the wave at the right time. Um, is there any other additional information or advice you'd like to share with the audience? Um, just things that you found that have been helpful in your career or just words to inspire the, the, the listeners? Yeah. Um, I mean, be, be clear. Be clear with what you want. Be clear with your goals. It's very easy to just say, I want success. I want to own as many practices as I can. I want to make as much money as I can. That's not really, that's not really going to do it because that's a never ending goal. You need to be very specific with your goals and break it up into different timestamps, whether it be one year, two, three, five, 10, 15, 20, or or however you think makes the most sense based on based on your goals, but you have to be clear with what you want. Once you once you're clear with where you want to be within a certain time frame, you can reverse engineer the process and understand what and you can create a guideline and a map to get there. Without being clear on your goal, uh, I think you're playing this never-ending game of of kind of never being satisfied, but kind of being unsure with what you want. But once you're clear, you'll be able to, to put in the work and execute because you know where you're going. You're not just going into this empty, empty space of you think you're going the right direction, but you're not really sure uh, and, and constantly reflect because you can change those goals and that's perfectly fine. And we've learned to do that all the time. If things aren't looking like they should, adjust them and make your goals different. But make sure you have a clear goal in mind without that you're it's it's too difficult to to understand if, if what you're doing is actually where you want where you want to be going i love that thank you for sharing that and i feel like that's such a that reverse engineering thing is something that i've heard a lot about people like when they've had that goal and then they just kind of figure out where they're at right now and what it takes to get there so thank you 
for kind of just re-highlighting that right there. Um, it's, yeah, it's super simple and it's not anything groundbreaking, but the simple things are, are what will get you there. And then once you have those, like just work your ass off to make sure you're, you're doing what it takes. And like we talked about, you can set your guidelines and your boundaries, but everyone's boundaries are different. Just because someone can do 16 hour days doesn't mean you can. It's because someone caps out at six hours of computer work a day. Maybe you can do more, like find what your, what your best is. Don't go over your best and don't go under your best. Find out what your best is and try to give your best every day. If you go over, you're, you're going to set yourself up for disaster fairly shortly. So find out where that is. And, um, and that's where reflection comes in because without that, you don't really know what your best is. You're kind of just going through things day by day. Ah, I feel tired. I don't know. I feel like this. It's, it's, it's too subjective. Yeah. That, I think that that's another great point right there. Just truly find that level of peak performance and go to that. Don't over, don't, you know, we don't want burn out obviously in, in those goals and aspirations that we have. Um, if someone is interested in talking more with you, um, what is the best way to contact you guys? Yeah. So we're pretty much on all social platforms at the prehab guys. Um, me personally, my email address is arash at the prehab guys.com. I usually don't give that up, but yeah, if there's any, any questions, feel free to shoot it over my way. Uh, and then our website, which has a lot of information is the prehab guys.com. And there's a search bar. If you're searching for anything specific, uh, there's tons of content there that I'd recommend anyone checking out. Perfect. Yeah. I honestly, Rush, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your guys' story um, of how you guys have been able to become such a, a great resource and tool for the healthcare community, but also just the general public. And I know that you guys are, are crushing it and you guys will continue to do great things. I'm really excited for you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Great. I know. I really look forward to everybody listening. I know you guys can get a lot of great content and information out of this. I'm excited to go back and listen to it again. So thanks again, Arash. Of course. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.